What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Why Are We Watching This podcast. This week, Zach has a gun implanted in his arm, and Sean's out for revenge because we're watching Upgrade. Excuse me, hacker formerly known as Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, guys? I'm Sean. I'm Zach. And this week we're watching 2018's Upgrade. Upgrade? Spoiler alerts. Spoiler (laughs) alerts. Hitting it early this time. So this is a sci-fi horror action movie with a rating of R. It runs an hour and 40 minutes. It was written and directed by Lee Winnell. Everybody in the fucking world knows who Lee Winnell is because of the Saw franchise. You ain't cool. Unless you know who Lee Winnell is. Yeah, get in the club. No, uh, Lee Winnell wrote, uh, I think co-wrote with, uh, with James Wan, the original Saw movie. And Lee Winnell is actually in the first Saw movie. He is alongside Carrie Elway's in the bathroom. Yeah, throughout okay. The movie. I think Lee Winnell is an excellent writer. I'm going to say that off the bat because the first Saw movie is really good. Yeah, it was from I saw it at like a young age too and I remember it. From what I remember, I remember it being a good movie. Like it's it's scary, but it is good. Like it's really well written. Yeah. Um after that, it's just kind of like, oh man. Which that's they, where you they just lose were me. really like bleeding the pig. Totally. The first one was solid. The everyone after that though. No, I totally agree. I couldn't agree more. And that that really kind of sucks cuz there was so much promise with that first movie. And I think I got forced to go see either three or four without seeing, like, the... Pre- I think it was four. Or- oh, no, it was five, actually. Damn. I'm pretty sure. How many Saw movies did they do? Oh, God. I think there's... Six? S- seven with Jigsaw, oh, maybe? with Jigsaw? Yeah. So I think it was five. Damn. Five or four, and I was forced to go see it without seeing the previous ones other than one. Damn. That's, that's kind of rough. It was. It sucked. Because you're just, like, thrown in. Yeah, it was It was really tough, but uh, especially for me, because I was like, oh, I don't really want to Yeah, and you're not that. a big fan of gore. No. Which, that comes and, up with this movie was, as well. One of the later movies, though, uh, it, it just essentially becomes, like, gore porn, and I'm just like, oh. That's, and that's essentially, like, all the movies after the first one, and that's why you kind of lose me as well. Yeah. This movie has an IMDb rating of 7.5. It had a budget of $3 million. Did it make money or lose money? I think it made money. It did make money. It made yeah. $17 million. Yeah, because it looked like a fucking video game. I remember seeing the trailer, and I was like, this looks pretty dope. Well, and it looks like it costs a lot more than $3 million to make this movie. Oh, for sure. There's With... a lot of digital effects, but there's a lot of really good practical effects. Oh, all the set design and everything. Yeah. And, like, the cars, because you get some, like, Cybertruck action going on. Totally. In this movie's, uh, it's like set in the near future. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far, they don't really give you a date, but I, I kind of like that because it always feels like it's just the next, like, you know, it's a couple days away or whatever. Which it, it definitely felt like this could be, well, with despite what's going on now, but once everything kind of bounces back, it does seem like five to ten years, that's kind of what stuff will start to look like around here. I think so. I mean, it, like you said, Cybertruck or self-driving cars in this rather, they look like the Cybertruck. Yeah, I mean, it looks even like though it they was... were more of like a kind of like a Prius slash Corvette. Yeah, look. totally, almost like a Lamborghini, but if you made yeah. it fat and kind of taller, blocky. Yeah. yeah, this movie is really interesting because I'd I'd seen the name and then I heard it brought up a couple times and then I was like, all right, I'm gonna bite the bullet and buy this one. 
because I've only really heard good things. Now, with that being said, we also have Logan Marshall Green in this movie. Oh. His name and Lee Winnell made me a lot more comfortable biting the bullet and buying this movie. Yeah. Logan Marshall Green, we know from Prometheus. Yes. Uh, as well as very small part in Spider-Man Homecoming. I know him from The Invitation is the other movie that I've seen him in. And I don't think you've seen that movie. I think I actually have seen that. Really? Okay. Because he's in that and he has longer hair in it. So really quickly, this movie, uh, when a man's left quadriplegic after an attack, he uses a secret microchip to exact revenge. That is the cheesiest sounding synopsis. And I kind of did that on purpose because this movie is so high concept that they played it so straight that it works. Yeah. And it could have been so easy to fuck this movie up, I think. Yeah. And, and a good example and a movie that, you know, it's kind of a joke now Hardcore Henry. Yeah. Which I haven't seen that, but I feel like this is the movie that should have been. Totally. And this movie uses some of the um, techniques that that movie had used better. Yeah. And I don't want to say that about Hardcore Henry because I actually thought it was an interesting movie. It's an interesting take and giving you an interesting point of view. I just don't like the feeling of watching me playing a video game the whole time. Right. Which, although I did make some references to this being like a video game, but only in the, more like, like a really good video game where it's more about like the story. Totally. So, which works for a movie. Well, and, and there's, there's some stuff they do with the camera in this that does kind of feel like a video game, uh, in the third person sense. And, uh, and we'll kind of get into it, but whenever a certain aspect of this microchip is activated, the camera tracks his motion uh, gyroscopically. Yeah. And that feels like a video game. Yeah. We also have uh, Melanie Vallejo playing Asha. 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 And I like her in this. She has a very small part, but it's an important part. Oh, she part. sells it, though. She does. I don't recognize a lot of the people in this movie. Yeah, I didn't either. I, on- I really only know Logan... And I didn't know anybody else really, although I did start looking into their filmographies a little bit. Like um, Mel- Melanie Vallejo uh, used to be on Power Rangers Mystic Force, which that's actually an older season too. Right, right. Uh, Lee Winnell, he, I said he wrote this. He wrote this as early as 2012. That's crazy. Which is very crazy because a lot of the stuff that he kind of alludes to, I feel like we're closer to as far as like the self-driving car and the automated home and things like that. And it's like, wow, in 2012, yeah, that was an idea. But, like, now we're so much closer to that. Oh, absolutely. And I kind of I kind of really believe that one of these characters is, is based on somebody in real life. Yeah. And I have a few reasons why. And I might be crazy for it, but I'm just kind of like, I don't oh, know. You brought this up to me during, during the watch because we watched this together. And I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about that. Whenever Stem takes over Gray's body, the camera motion tracks... Logan Marshall Green's body. They did that by putting a cell phone on him and tracking the gyroscope on the cell phone. That's crazy. To the camera crane. That's so fucking crazy. Yeah. So, which, I mean, I don't know what Logan Marshall Green's capabilities are. I'm assuming they had a stunt double. I think it was be- all him, actually. Really? I'm pretty sure he that did all the choreography. Though? That might be the only thing he didn't do. I definitely think it was him doing the fight choreography, which is one of the most impressive things I've ever seen an actor do. The physical acting in this, the body acting, is like nothing I have ever seen before. I do think there's probably some work with editing and and um, 
camera work and stuff like that because the movement is too insane that like this guy could move like that like well, I, it's hard for me to believe that and i, I don't that, mean that in a negative way no, i'm just I, like sure i know that there's some of that absolutely because that is what you're doing like i'm the, thinking the movie it was slowed like sped up or something kinda. that's and that's definitely possible my take on all of it and the reason i'm so impressed by it is the way he was able to emote with his face so uh completely opposite of what his body was doing yeah and we'll see it a few times in the movie where he's doing something just horrific but he's reacting as though he's spectating from a third person perspective and he's horrified so yeah well let's get into it so we're introduced to gray who's our main character this is logan marshall green he basically wants nothing to do with electronics he's living a very analog life and uh he repairs classic cars for people right and his wife is actually heavily uh into electronics she develops uh what was it electronic limbs for veterans robotic limbs for for veterans right wounded soldiers and like she's super all about it she drives her electronic car Mm -hmm. uh the self-driving car and um we kind of see that he is resisting as hard as possible she gets home at one point she says would uh should we print a pizza and he says can't we just make one Oh, yeah. Like, there's a lot of these little things where it's like he really is resisting this upgrade. Yeah. You know? Um, Which I just want to kind of give away because, like, I'd never heard this song before, but we – the movie opens up with a – I shazammed it, actually, so I could drop it in here. Oh, interesting. Smokestack Lightning by – Howlin' Wolf. Oh, cool. Howlin' Wolf. Yeah. Right on. It was, uh, and that was a pretty cool little song, especially to, like start this movie with – it was kind of cool. You get this tour of the garage and him working on his car and eventually like revs up the engine and he's like, oh, yeah. And right. like it, it's kind of cool to see that because you're like – the first thing you re- really see is his connection to analog things. Right. Versus everything that's digital and can like do everything right away. And, and he and, likes working with his hands. That's another thing that they're really heavily trying to show you. He likes doing things, yeah. physically doing things. Um, and now this card that you brought up, I'm glad you brought it up. He explains that he actually has a client that he restored the car for mm-hmm. who is a big, uh, like big wig in the tech a industry. Big yeah. And so he says, I have to go take this car out, but I need you to come with because I have to deliver it and I need someone to take me home. Yeah. And so Asha goes with him, and this becomes a big deal for her because she realizes that she knows the guy. He's he's big in development for electronics. Uh, we see how big he is, in my opinion, visualized when we see his version of a cloud. Yeah. Which is a physical cloud that he's manipulating in front of him. Yeah. It's insane. It looks insane. Yeah. That, it, the visuals on this were, like fucking crazy and like i mean honestly i i gotta get already give this movie so much props for the cinematography because this movie is like beautiful it's all the scenes are like stunningly done there's always like so much good color peeking in with whatever color is mostly present and you get all these cool like vibes from everything and yeah his little like home is so cool and seeing what he does in it and then he's kind of like this kind of like cool i know i'm above you sort of dude because he's a genius and... we'll get into that because i mean we we've been waiting to to do quotes until the end but i have one coming up that i'm gonna give because it's a perfect example i didn't really write down quotes for this because i didn't really i wrote a ton pick up so a lot we're good. i was 
feeling. This, I, I was say, sucked in. This was my first viewing. You had seen this before. Right. Which, yeah, this this is your first. I've seen this once before. Yeah. I watched this with Rachel, and um, her and I pretty much came to the same conclusion, which is cool. So, yeah. and we'll get to that at the end. But um, you were talking about color in the scenes, and mm-hmm. another scene that really heavily uses uh, lighting and color and lighting is the bathroom scene at the bar. Yeah. And I loved it because it really is effective yeah. instead of being in your face with what's happening. Right. Because they could have really overdone that and it would have ruined the scene for me. Oh, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, this quote actually that I have, basically we find out this uh, Aaron, this is this like tech wizard guy. Aaron Keane. Uh, yeah. Uh, Asha says to him that she works for... Um, Cobalt. Cobalt. And that they're working on some stuff. She says, we're nothing like Vessel yet, but we're getting there. And he just looks at her and says, no, you're not. Yeah. And you out loud actually were like, whoa. Like, yeah. you you audibly reacted to that. <laughs> and I did too the first time because I was so caught off guard by how cold this guy is. I was kind of expecting it, though. I already had this vibe and I I was just kind of glad that he went there and, like, knows. And once you get to the end of the movie... Coming back and thinking about that part again, uh, it's kind of like, oh, like this guy was like really right. Oh, absolutely. Well, even actually not that much further into it, but once you get to the end too, it's like, oh, that's that's like even way crazier too. Well, and yeah, there's some, I mean, (laughs) there's some twists at the end of this movie that you absolutely don't see coming, at least uh, the first time. For sure. I mean, like I had some ideas, but I didn't think to the extent that they go. Yeah, right. Uh, and so uh, Aaron explains that he has this chip that he's designed called STEM. And here's my second quote that I'm going to spoil here, but Asha says, what does it do? And he says, literally anything. Yeah. And, like, what a mind-blowing concept. But at the same time, this sounds like something some guy in Silicon Valley... Would try to design, oh, I made a chip that does anything. Like, it just sounds like that idea, right? That, like, ideal concept. And he's like, no, I did it. Yeah. And this is the character you said you believed was an illusion I, for someone else. So I, I really think that this guy was kind of... And I wonder if he was re, if the character was rewritten at all since... Um, oh, well, it's whoever. been six years, yeah. That's what I mean, is, like, it's been six years, so, like, when was the last time they touched the writing on this before solidifying that and going into filming? Because um, I know... So, I I know Elon Musk has been around for, like, a little bit now, but, like, yeah. I never really knew who he was. I think uh, I started hearing about him in high school, maybe? Probably. But maybe I had no later. idea, like, what he was about or anything, and everyone was just like, oh, he's, like, he's this crazy dude with about technology um and like the things i gotta say is that like his name is aaron e-r-o-n okay okay elon aaron yeah his last name is four letters elon musk four letters and so i really think and the other thing is that like um i heard somebody say recently that elon musk is like afraid of ai and some of the reactions you see from aaron later kind of really show that that like he's he is kind of afraid of AI. Interesting. It doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like he's necessarily for AI. He was just more about something that can better your physical body, the upgrade aspect. Right, right. Well, well let me ask you a question because I I absolutely see where you're coming from. Do you think that it was intentional? A little bit, yeah. 
Okay. I, that's the thing is I, I, I think it was a little bit intentional. Okay. But I don't think it was necessarily to be like, oh, check it out. Like, you know, we wrote this character based on Elon Musk. I think Absolutely. it was more like the writer was like more inspired about the idea of a character like that and, and pushing this stuff and seeing where it goes. Maybe it is some sort of reflection of their feelings on him and his work too sure sure well and i and which that's i'm really I, not a hundred i'm not super positive on like what elon musk really does other than like everything right he is uh he's basically <laughs> stem no uh but that's well, what i mean is like that's why i think this is a reflection of that a little bit because he ultimately creates this device that does everything you need it to do yeah that's interesting i that's really interesting it's it makes me wonder, um, on the opposite end, if Lee Whannell is the type of person who's able to, in his mind, be like, this is what that type of person probably is like, and actually gets people. But I think you're probably more right than I am. And, uh, I mean, the other thing is, like, I think he was just inspired to write this great science fiction story with somebody who can do this and has this intellect that ends up doing something that ultimately... Um, isn't what it was intended for. Sure. Well, and, and Aaron even says, and there, I really liked this about the character. He says in a couple scenes to Gray, I don't really talk to people much. So I, I don't know if I'm coming off as rude. Mm, yeah. And I thought that was kind of interesting. A little bit of like a kind of an introvert. Yeah, he says he spends a lot of time alone. Which we see him spending, uh, basically he's alone every time we see him. Yeah, there's never people with him. I think uh, there's except for one scene, and right, he already seems pretty distraught, like in the scene before we even know another person was there. Absolutely. Um, Although he does have like guards, or were those cops? Uh, I think they were probably security, like okay. some sort of security for him in that. That's kind of what I thought too, but I thought it could have easily been police as well. So this is where our major uh, initial conflict, I suppose, comes in with this movie. Gray and Asha are heading home, and the car malfunctions, takes the wrong route, begins to speed up, overspeed, and flips. Mm-hmm. Um, something happens during this scene that just... And I noticed it more so this time than the first time I watched this movie. And it makes this movie, and by the end of this movie more so, so much more tragic for Gray. Mm-hmm. They're both unbuckled when this is happening, but he realizes that something's going to happen, like that they're going to flip. Yeah. And he pushes her into her seat and buckles her up. Yeah. And right doesn't bef- buckle, you know, he, he doesn't, doesn't make it to himself. get himself. Dude. Like yeah. that to me, I was just like, fuck. Like, fuck. And then everything after this, it's it's almost like, how can you just ruin a man's life as slowly as possible? Oh, right. You know? Well, this, uh, it, it's kind of similar to... um. Oh, man, what's that movie everybody fucking loves? Oh, John Wick. Oh, sure. It, it, it has the kind of John Wick vibes, you know, like you fucked with the wrong guy sort of. Although, you John don't really know a, you fucked with the wrong guy until right. a little bit into the movie because, you know, it, it wasn't the purpose. But sure, it's kind of the same thing, that ultimate tragedy and then that leads them into their st- destructive path. Right. So. Um, and so, yeah, well... Uh, we find out kind of right here that this wasn't a malfunction necessarily, and some people pull up, and uh, Asha gets shot and killed. Yeah. Can confirm. I'm just kidding. KIA. Pixar didn't happen. No. <laughs> uh, but then Gray is also shot in the neck. Right. 
but he Which, doesn't die. It kind of looks like it was just like a taser, though. Well, we kind of see later what it was exactly. Well, not yeah. exactly what it was, but we're told what it was. And uh, Gray survives, only now he's quadriplegic. Yep. And this is some more of the just like saddest shit that I've ever seen. Basically, him having to now live a life where everything's automated. The thing that he hated is now running everything and he resents it. Well, he he literally watches his wife die. Absolutely. And that was like uh, one of the most heartbreaking scenes uh, for me. Um, but like Logan Marshall Green also just like sells it as the most compassionate man in any one woman's life in every movie he's in. Like yes. even Prometheus, like he he's kind of arrogant and a little naive, but like um, he's always so like caring about like the person he's with in his movies. And like this guy can really like pull that off with his acting. It's, well, it, I, it sells it every time. And I there, buy it. there's a scene actually in, in, in this whole uh, like post Asha, uh, area of the movie mm-hmm. where he breaks down and cries. So his mom's his oh, mom basically yeah. moves in and takes care of him. And there's a scene where she's grooming him and she's shaving his beard or she cuts his hair and she starts to shave his beard for him. And he starts crying. Yeah. And that it hard is to watch. fucking hard to watch. Yeah. <laughs> and the second time watching this movie, knowing the ending of this movie, it is harder to watch. Yeah. I could get that because it's like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Like, this is just, it's playing on every possible fear uh, that a person could have. I mean, as, I don't know. Here's the thing. This movie reminds me of The Thing. I know, I find a way to talk about that movie all the time, but here's what I'm going to say. The the Thing is. In the sense that, in The Thing, the alien is able to... um, assimilate and we kind of don't know when it's assimilated us. Yeah. And I kind of think that that's what I like about this movie at the core is that it plays with the idea. And that's what the bot, the true body horror I think in this movie is, Mm -hmm. is being out of control of your own body and having to just witness what's happening to it. Yeah, exactly. Cause when you were saying you're like, Oh, I don't know about this being a body horror movie. That's exactly what it is. It's just, it's that same concept of body horror, but twisted in a different way that you, that it's so outside the box. You would never think of that as a body horror, but I mean, when you finally put yourself in those shoes, it's like, well, how would you feel if you couldn't control your body, but you're like murdering people? Absolutely. It's, it's like psychological body horror. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. It, and well, uh, in, the, in the, like, yeah. And the, the idea of not being able to control yourself is like, that's crazy. Absolutely. And and there is a point in this film where Gray has to accept that he's no longer in control of himself. And it's kind of, he sells it. It's pretty hard to watch that, too. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, uh, basically three months later, Gray, he moves home. His mom moves in with him, and his home has been automated for him. Uh, Gray tries to kill himself. Yeah, he tries to overdose on medication. On his on his PM medication. So that's what it is, because it leads him back to the hospital. Right. Because Aaron doesn't see him until back at the hospital. And he so, doesn't come to his home. Right, and then that's when Aaron visits him and basically says, I have a solution for this, but it's got to be off the books because I can't get... I mean, we don't have proof that it'll work yet, basically. Yeah. Um, and, and Gray... Uh, he manipulates Gray, basically, into... 
accepting it by yeah. asking him what Asha would have wanted. Yeah. And I bring that up because it's really important to the point of this movie, or to, like, the plot of this movie. Well, more that, so when That you question kind of gets brought up more than once. Yeah. It's, it's always kind of like, well, what would your wife have wanted for you? And it's like, it's so rough. And you know he's being manipulated. Yeah. Every time it happens. Well... Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... I guess I have, I've had hindsight to kind of help me with that the second time going through watching this movie, but... Well, with that first one with Aaron, sure. Yeah, well, you definitely I think the second time it's his mom saying it, and so, like, that is manipulation in a different way, though, in to trying to kind of drive him into a more I kind of forgot about that. Um, Right. But you're right, and... Just knowing the end of this movie makes this movie so much, so much less of a horror film. I mean, yes, it is, but more of a tragedy, like almost like a Greek tragedy, like where it's just oh, like, yeah. oh, damn, this person who's like damned mm-hmm. from the beginning, basically. Um, yeah, so this is where this shit happens. He gets he gets uh, stem installed into his spine, in, into his. Uh, well, and it's so funny, this. like, him being the kind of person that doesn't want to rely on technology, he ultimately gives into it. And, yeah, yeah, it's very, that's that's a part of the writing that I really appreciated. And that's why I think Lee Winnell really is a, a talented uh, writer. Mm-hmm. Like, he really can craft a story. <laughs> um, and, yeah, now he relies on the technology that he resented, and... Uh, Greg goes to meet with um, the detective that was working the case. Yep. But this is before the suicide attempt. I forgot I wanted to bring this up because uh, he's very standoffish the whole time oh, with yeah. her. He's... And she's trying very hard to connect with him and to let him know, like, look, we are doing what we can do. And he do- like really doesn't give a fuck. He's like, if you don't have an answer, then you're wasting my time. Yeah. And uh, I think I'm going to kind of just give my quotes out as they go because they do kind of give you an idea of Gray's progression with the character. Okay. But he says, I know I can't tie my shoes anymore, detective, but you don't have to talk to me like a damn three-year-old. Yeah. And like, that was another line. Both of Mm -hmm. us, I think, were like, whoa. It's it's like tough. Like, you're watching this guy basically break down and, and he wants to be proud and he doesn't really know what to be proud of anymore. Yeah. Um... (laughs) <laughs> this is gonna be a long one, you guys. No, oh, yeah, uh, strap in because this is this one's gonna take a little while. It is, um, yeah, and well, and it's funny because he also brings up the drones, and that's kind of a big part of this movie too, because it it's part of the advancement in the technology we have. There's all these police drones now that just fly around and scan shit, which is, hmm, I don't know, is that a good thing? Is it's that a very, bad thing? Very 1985. Um, go, wa- go read 1985. I'm not going to tell you to watch a movie this week, guys. I'm going to tell you to read a book. <laughs> go read go. 1985. Um, but, like, you know, he makes a point, like, you have all these drones, and you're saying that they don't work? And she's like, well, they do work, but it's complicated. And But that's an important scene, too, because uh, it's kind of a big deal as to what is happening around him. She explains that there are hackers that can basically remove or put, what does she put? They put firewalls. On people, yeah, so that the drones can't blo- uh, can't see them. Yeah, it just blocks them out, and like that's crazy. That's yeah. a crazy concept. Um, so yeah, he goes and gets the surgery done, which is a very brutal surgery scene. Yeah, it, but you said something that I 
I think I really agree with, and I never really think I noticed, but it, if they had made it bloody, it would have been too much. Yeah, because I, I was like, well, I was like, it's kind of hard to look at, but without blood gushing everywhere, it's not terrible. Right. It kind of just looks like you're looking at somebody dissect a person, person, I guess, because <laughs> ultimately they were. Sure. So. But that but that scene is brutal, and it ends with him, his skin being stapled back together over his spine, and... Yeah. Uh, he pretty much immediately is able to see the effects of STEM. At mm-hmm. first, he it seems like nothing's happening, but then he's he able does, to look, he's he does kind of struggle. Yeah. yeah, and uh, he gets up, and I kind of would have imagined there would have been a little more atrophy, but I guess three months isn't that long. I don't know. I think you're kind of taking grant for granted what it would be like to not be able to actually physically move your body after three months. Well, and that's what I'm thinking, because we move a lot. Dude, I've been without my car for, like, a week and a half now or so, or maybe longer, and I'm kind of afraid that when I go to drive it again, it's going to be really weird for me. Oh, just because it's been, like, a minute? Yeah, because I'm not, like, at least driving a little bit every day. Sure, sure. I don't think it'll be that big of a deal, but... Like, I'm kind of like, oh, man, like, that's going to be so weird, like, when I can finally drive again. Right. So. But we have to, uh, we have to remember that STEM is in control. Mm -hmm. And at one point, STEM even says, I'm going to turn off your, uh, your ability to feel. Yeah. Which is a good thing in the scene because of what happens. But, but that just goes to show that really there's nothing stopping him from getting up and walking around if that's what he really wants to do. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and we get something really cool, uh, after this scene, which I actually really like the scene of him getting up out of the chair, by the way, he really does sell it. Like he, the way he moves his body looks like somebody who's been sitting in a chair and hasn't moved their body when he stretches his legs out and his hands out and the way he even sits, I'm like, yeah, it looks legit. It looks Mm -hmm. very real. Um, but when he gets home and he stands up out of the chair, the camera locks on to the back Mm -hmm. of his neck and follows him. And that's where you start to see that, and it's like, oh, this is cool. And it's a motif that happens throughout the movie, and I love it. And it basically, well, it, it, it it becomes stronger the more STEM is in control. Yeah, well, because it starts doing more insane shit. I mean, you get this, like, triple backflip handspring thing. I forgot about that scene, but it's brutal. And, it's, like, crazy. Well, because you know they had the camera on, like, just a rotating whatever. Right. Like, some sort of rotating device. That rotated with him and followed that, and it was, like, so crazy to see that. Because it's almost like you're just seeing your screen being, like, twisted around, but it's still locked but it like, on the, so in fast. position with his head. Yeah, and yeah. that's the thing is it was so fast, too. Um, so right here we also... It was fluid. We also see him watching over the footage, the drone footage of the attack that night, and Stem introduces himself. Yeah. Well, uh, itself. It, itself. <laughs> it, it is That's like weird. Of... I want to like allude into it being a person, but it really isn't. It's this technology. It's this uh, AI. Exactly. It is AI. Um, and it's it, there's some more stuff that I think makes this more interesting that happens a little bit later on. Um, but um, I, I mean, you could say him, I guess, because it, it is an obviously perceived male voice. It, it was, and there was a male it was voice done actor, by a male voice, right. you know, actor. So, but uh, um, so I can understand you saying him. But I mean, yeah, it's it isn't necessarily. It's an it's an androgynous right. It's an AI, which we right. get some kind of like gender fluidity in the movie from somebody as well. 
That scene's interesting. I think we can talk about it a little bit because I think it's it's actually really well done. Oh no, it's it's progressive. Very it's progressive. Not, it's not in a negative way at all. So Stem says to Gray, "May I put something out?" And Gray like thinks something somebody's in his house. Yeah. But there was something I noticed this time around that I want to like fucking just talk to Lee Winnell and just be like, who, where do you find the people to work on your movies? Cause you guys nail it. I don't get it. Whenever STEM speaks, there's zero reverb on his voice, no matter the setting. Hmm, okay. So in that room, when you hear gray talk, you can hear the room sound cause he's in the room. Yeah. But then when STEM responds, there's zero room sound. Right. It, it, it cuts out so that you can because like, hear it clearly. Because it's all in his head. Right. And he says, oh, I'm just uh, projecting vibrations into your eardrums so that you can understand me. Well, he says sending. Or okay. sending. But right. that's interesting to think that, like, it can do that. Right. Well, and, and that leads Gray to a couple of questions. And I absolutely love that these are the questions he immediately asks because, yes, he says... Uh, he says, can you read my mind and can anyone else hear you? Yeah. And I think that's immediately what everybody else would be asking is, can you read my mind? Yeah, for sure. And then can anybody else hear you or be asking, can you hear this? You know, is this just me or what? Yeah. Um, I mean, it drives him to the point where he thinks he's insane. Oh, absolutely. And he even like, and then step reassures him like, no, you're not insane. Which was the <laughs> scene that kind of made me like laugh the first time because he says, I'm, uh, I'm insane. Cause he tells him not to talk. And then yeah. he says, I'm insane. I'm insane. Am I insane? You can talk. Yeah. So it's like, well, if you were crazy, it just sounds like you're allowing yourself to be crazy. At the same time though, if he was crazy, why wouldn't it respond that way to elude him from thinking he's crazy? Totally. Which, you know, making itself make sense. Which, that's the kind of interesting thing about using... That's kind of the toxic part of it. It's... STEM is sort of a parasite. Yeah. But also, in a sense, an allegory for, like, schizophrenia. Yeah, I can or, see that. Or, I, I suppose, maybe uh, multiple personality, personality disorder. disorder. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just interesting the way that they portray it i guess that kind of adds to the horror aspect of it and just mm-hmm. kind of goes to show that lee winnell's can take these lee winnell's lee winnell can take these ideas and sort of fit them into different settings and even genres in a sense yeah uh and we also that we also see what stem, uh, stem noticed which was that uh the man who killed osho didn't have a gun in his hand yeah what kind of irritated me about this scene and I, something I didn't even think about originally was he immediately after this zooms in a ton yeah. on the dude's arm to look at the tattoo. Why didn't you zoom in on the dude's hand to see that he didn't have a gun? Um, well, because he already pointed it out and you could already see it. Yeah, but he didn't even that... believe him at first. He yeah. was like, sure, he did. He shot her. Well, that's what he says. Yeah, and then he says, well, watch it again. And he does. And he's like, sure. and then he tells him to pause. Right when he fires, and you know you don't see the gun, you just right. see the fire. So he does zoom in though, and we he see this this tattoo, or at least Stem sees it, um, yeah. and basically prints it through Gray's hand, and in a very cool scene where Gray put uh, picks up a pen on uh, puts it over a paper, and then Gray 
just kind of his hand goes left and right really fast like a printer and it yeah. prints out the image and it's uh it's like a barcode type thing in a circle and we find out it's an identity tag for a, a soldier like military yeah yeah well there's i want to pose a question to you all right do you think that that was actually the tag on the person a b do you think that it mattered because and I'm we said spoilers here because stem knows who was involved yeah so stem could have just been saying whatever the fuck and then just telling him where to go it's interesting though because as soon as he's like oh you just figured this out for me i'm about to call the detective and then stem's like but what proof do you have and that was what made me think that especially this time and having seen this and knowing the ending mm-hmm. it made me realize well maybe there's nothing really there yeah but then or what, at least where he's then not what actually was the point? anything I because think it was more did, because he did need him to go there and kill that guy. Still, you have to right. You have to understand true. by the end of the movie. Yeah, Stem wants all of these people dead. He needs to be totally disconnected from anything associated to him. Here was my okay. Well, major spoiler. Yeah. Here was my thought though. This guy had Stem as well because he kept claiming that wasn't me. I didn't shoot your wife. The f- now, did he mean that it was, um, God, what was his name? Fisk. Fisk. Yeah, I think that Fisk was the one that actually shot the wife, and that's what everybody was saying that about. But wasn't the whole thing was that the tattoo was this guy's tattoo, and that's what led him to the house that, and everything? But that was the guy that was uh, getting into the car. Oh, I see. Okay. That was the tattoo. I was confused guy. about, th- I, I thought they were trying to talk about the same guy. But we do find out at the end of the movie that this first guy who is attacked, or the first guy that Gray ultimately kills, was Fisk's brother. Oh, I didn't catch that. Gray ultimately goes to investigate the soldier's house alone because, like you said, Stem tells him, like, what evidence do you have? You can't tell anybody that I'm in your head, basically. You already signed the NSA. Which is so funny to me that that's the reason. (laughs) Yeah. This whole movie... And I think that Lee Winnell's trying to I think Lee Winnell's <laughs> trying to say something with that though, with how far we let technology go and how quickly we're willing to sign something just to have something. Oh yeah. I used to work uh in a call center for cell phone companies, so like I I totally get it cuz you know, people would just always talk about how like they drag you into the store um or or they they drag you along in the process and make it take forever. And I even asked somebody, I was like, do they do that on purpose? So that, like, by the time, you know, they're ready to sign, they just go, like, oh, whatever, I'll just sign to get it over with. But they were like, no, but I still kind of think it is. that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. I do, too. I, I've worked in a call center, not in the same environment as you, so I can't necessarily say according to that, but I could absolutely see that. Yeah. And this is a fucking scene, man. He goes in, and Stem immediately tells him you need to take off your boots. Yeah, See, which I was like, "Fuck!" Yeah. Like Stem is a perfect serial killer. I felt more like Stem was a really good detective. Yeah, but then we're gonna see here in a couple minutes how far Stem will go to eliminate. I mean, to be target. fair, Stem and uh, um, Gray's life were in danger. We're gonna talk about it. We'll get into that in a second because I have a couple thoughts on it. Um. 
Gray starts to investigate. He goes through some messages in the man's table, which is a cool concept where the table just has all this information in it, and they turn it on. And it's like a computer phone. Yeah, everything's whatever. sort of in one, right? Yeah. Uh, and he goes through. I don't believe that there was anything in there of use, uh, other than uh, big old, bones being old, mentioned. Old bones. Oh, old bones. Yeah, the bar. <laughs> big bones. <laughs> big it, bones. <laughs> old bones is a bar. It's a set piece we're going to go to later in the movie, but it's a bar basically where there's no technology. Yeah, it's a very old school bar. It's. It kind of seems like what was it called? Crown Place. But it kind of seemed like it was like that's kind of a shittier neighborhood, and it's not as a upgraded as like the rest of the town the city which uh gray says that's that, his, that's his old his old neighborhood yeah. and so it like really makes sense and um but I, it made me think of something that i wanted to bring up and i'm actually going to write it down so i don't forget um but i wanted to wait until we get kind of more towards the end well so uh during this investigation scene the guy ultimately comes home gray hides in a corner and the guy sees him, and they get into a fight, and Gray's not really doing well to hold up against no. himself. Yeah, because he, he warns him, and he's like, he's like, take like take this opportunity while you have the advantage. And the guy finally sees his reflection in like a mirror or like a TV or something. It, I think it was a photo on the wall. Oh, okay. And so the glass was reflecting that image, and he could finally see him behind him. And dude, and there's some tension in that scene. Well, Gray's taking a beating, and Stem says, "I can help, but you need to let me take over." Yeah, he has, He says you have to give me permission. And this, right, 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 which is a huge point in this movie too. He does have to allow Stem permission to use his body, right? Uh, and so he allows, and Stem fights back. And it's not really a fight after this. It's more so Stem toying with this guy until he decides to kill him. And I say that, and the reason I I kind of go about this the way I do is there's many points during this confrontation. That Stem could have killed that guy. And he waits until the end to do it in the most violent fucking oh, yeah. way possible. Well, and I, I mean, ultimately that's the writing. But, uh, because, you know, they wanted you to, to get that that scene. But, but uh, well, something I noticed, though, uh, Stem only encourages Gray to let him take over and fight back when the guy starts to let out information. Yeah. Once the guy starts saying, no, I didn't shoot, and he starts to defend himself... That's when Stem says, I can help. You just need to give me permission. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Stem immediately is like, oh, I can't let him know anything more than I'm letting him know. Yeah. It, but like I said, he also is in control of these guys. And I think that this for him was like, oh, I'm going to have a little fun with this body and see what I can do. Well, and that was the thing is, that was exactly it. And it's fucking brutal. So what we've been alluding to, the kill here, is Stem takes a kitchen knife puts it into a man's mouth uh, diagonally? Uh, no, it's horizontal. Horizontally, Because sorry. he, like, b- right. he's behind him and, like, with his leg kind of presses on it and grabs, he's holding the knife by the handle and grabs the blade and just kind of, like, does a row. Yeah, like pulls back, it, exactly, pulls it in like, if, like if he was head. putting a ball gag into his mouth but with yeah. a knife. And it ultimately dislocates and separates his jaw from his head. Yeah. And it is, they show it. They show it all. And it is fucking brutal. It's but pretty it intense, but so it wasn't. Quick. Yeah, it, it wasn't. I'm a squeamish person, especially when it comes to gore. And this movie really was not that bad. Like you see some gore, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like video game gore, and you, you only get it for like a split second. So like, did you think which kill do you think was worse, this or the headless well, horseman? 
Yeah, I was going to call it the uh, assisted suicide scene. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. I like that better. Um, well, what do you mean by worse? Uh, like harder to watch or look at. Oh, this one for sure. Okay, me too. Yeah. Because the other one, it happens so fast that you're kind of well, like, oh, it's shit. A, it's a gunshot. And shot. it's over, right. Yeah, it's a gunshot. Uh, Which uh, I've seen like an anime or something before where they've done the the gun in the palm thing. Like, I probably have too because it looked familiar. It's definitely like, a familiar concept. But they do it really cool in this movie. The way they load, which you said it, and it didn't click to me the, the first time, but the way you said it made me laugh so hard. But he's loading up his bicep <laughs> yeah, later on. And I was they, like, they oh, you push totally him into is. the slot in their bicep, and then they like jerk it up to cock it. And it's, re- so it's really cool, actually. And like the concept of having, having like a gun in your arm is, is really sick, actually. They do it really well in this movie. They kind of sell it for me. Yeah, yeah. This, and that's what I mean is like, they do some cool stuff with this movie that's, like, uh, I'm, like, I'm glad somebody finally, like, nailed this idea in, in like, a live-action movie. Well, and, and to a T. So right after this, uh, right after Stem kills the guy, Gray, like, is in shock immediately. Yeah. And then he goes and throws up into the sink. This was that scene where we first see him, because this is when Stem first gets to uh, really take over. When we see him reacting, he like he's got like the most horrified face when as he's like smashing a plate over this dude's head yeah. before he does the knife uh, guillotine thing. This the guillotine scene, smile. This yeah right. Um, this scene to me is is like the proof that Logan Marshall Green is possibly the best physical actor. Yeah. No, absolutely. At all. That, the Just scene with the plate. Right like I was like, oh yeah, this guy is. He's so underrated. Yeah, because I don't hear anybody talking about him, and he's not in like that much shit. Yeah, no, I agree. Like I, Prometheus was the first thing I saw him in. I thought he was really good in it. He reminds me a lot of like John Barenthal, and um, he looks just like uh, Tom Hardy. He looks just like Tom Hardy. Right? Yeah, so he reminds me of John Barenthal and Tom Hardy. Um, but he's kind of like he's kind of like the sweeter one out he of totally, the three, totally, like the chivalrous one. Yeah, yeah, and I would say Tom Hardy's like in the middle, and then John Barenthal's like the aggressive one. Oh, absolutely. Stem. Stem says you need to clean up your fingerprints off everything. Gray's like I can't clean my fingerprints off everything I touch. I don't even know what I touch. Touch everything in here. Yeah. And Stem says I keep a record of everything you touched. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, dude, whoa, dude, that's crazy. Well, I mean, as soon as it was like. Oh, you can't see the tattoo, but I can. I knew Stem was going to be like that. Stem's next fucking level, dude. And that's why I brought it up. Um, I brought up the game um, Detroit Becoming Human because um, you play as um, an android detective at oh, one point. Cool. It spans between three people, um, the whole story. So you get to play them through different points of the game, but it's all one like coherent storyline. And they have... Um, it's a, uh, it's kind of like a choose your own v- adventure game, like whereas your choices have consequences and things. Oh, cool, cool. And will change the story that happens. Um, so there's like a few, there's quite a few different endings that you could get. Um, Damn. But I think they all kind of lead to like uh, ultimately the same thing. But since you play as this android detective, there's this mode where you go into this detective mode and everything's like blue, and so you can see clues and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. And so this was really reminiscent of that. Reminds me of uh, the Batman Arkham games. Yeah, it, exactly. Like it's just vision. like that, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron sees that Gray's been walking around in public and confronts him because he's able to track Stem. Right. It's his property. He yep. doesn't want to lose track of it. It's expensive as well. 
Which, this is also brings up a huge thing that uh, I think is really important to the movie. Uh, Gray tells Aaron that he, he's like, you didn't tell me this thing was going to talk to me. And what's even better is that Stem kind of walks him through how to, like, keep cool with everything, too. You know, like, he knows when somebody doesn't suspect something or doesn't know something. And so he kind of, like... He's like, relax, don't lie, be honest. Well, and, and then, he even says, don't look up, it looks like you're lying. Right. Oh, he says, don't look or away. Or don't look to li- Yeah, don't look away, that's what it, it is. It shows that you're lying. Right. Or something like that, so. Um, which I thought was really cool. Um, there, uh, I, That kind of makes me bring something up, though, is that, like, um, there was some acting that I wasn't in love with from Logan because when he was trying to be like, I'm innocent, it seemed obvious that he was lying about it. Yeah. And it and he also seemed like kind of too chipper and I I I wanted him to be colder in those moments like don't forget what has fucking happened to me sure. and that you're still not doing your job. Like I got so upset with the detective although I understand. I mean, she ultimately was doing her job, but because of his actions, which I mean ultimately it's his fault. She's no longer focusing on what she was initially supposed to be doing. She's now obsessed with him. Right. And that, like, bothered me. But he also knows that she's on to him. He, yeah, he, he figures it out. And that's a big part of it is he, he gets to a point where he's like, I'm not going to lie. I'm just going to say as little as I have to because she can't prove that I was there yeah. or that I did it. And that's it, that's almost the way he talks to her is like, I don't have to tell you that you're wrong because you can't prove that I did it. But it almost seems like she's already figured out so early on and like that she's so certain that she's just waiting for that proof to click so that she can really bring him in. It's weird though because it's the only thing that makes sense because his wheelchair and him keep showing it up, uh, showing up at all these crime scenes. Yeah. I do like that it drives her to the point to bug his room though. Which is huge. And fucked up. Yeah. But... with good reason. We'll get there. Uh, sort of. So, oh, so what, yeah, what I just wanted to get at, though, is uh, Gray says to Aaron, uh, you didn't tell me I was going to hear this voice in my head, and Aaron says, he speaks to you. And that's what I was talking about with uh, the me saying, I think he's inspired by Elon Musk, and me hearing that Elon Musk is afraid of AI and things like that. And this actually generated a different idea for where I thought this movie was going to go because I thought it was going to be more about Gray's own psyche Uh-oh. and like that he was actually going insane. Gotcha. And, and like maybe like having split personality disorder, um, uh, or, oh, I, or is it multiple? Multiple personality disorder. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's actually a new name for it now, but I don't know. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but, I thought maybe that's what it was going to be kind of more about and that he was like essentially kind of tricking himself into thinking this thing's kind of taking over me, but in reality it wasn't. It was just him kind of going crazy and like doing all this stuff. Like, like I, I thought maybe the device still made him do the crazy movements, but I, sure, sure. I thought I, I the voice was part of his subconscious. Sure. Well, and, and there's a point uh, in this movie that actually bothers me. Uh, now, because I really thought that that scene was effective, his reaction and everything. I was like, oh, yeah. okay, wow. I know. I loved it. I was like, oh, dude, he's like, what? Stem talks to you? But we like, get a spoiler later, though. 
Yeah. Uh, and where we find out that uh, Aaron had kind of an earpiece where Stem was sort of walking him through doing some stuff through right. his earpiece. So that bothers me now because I'm thinking, well, yeah, you know that he talks. He knows, like, why wouldn't he talk to him? I think Stem told him to not show any sort of sign that he would know that. That's the thing. You think it was that manipulated? Absolutely. Okay. Stem, Stem was walking everyone through everything in what to do. So do you think that that... Oh, okay. Well, hang on. Maybe then him reacting like, oh, Stem talks to you is like him being like, what the fuck is Stem doing? Right. I mean, that's definitely another thing because... Well, because I, at this I guess point, I'm going to spoil it. We find out. Well, at this point, Stem's out of everybody else's control entirely. Yeah. As far as we know, oh, actually not at this point, not until we meet Jamie, <laughs> the hacker formerly known as Jamie. So the detective finds a greasy boot print outside of the home where Gray just went and killed the guy. And, and that kind of... just regular old motor grease. Right, which pushes her to think like, oh, well, Gray might be involved then because he's got the, the old cars and the motor grease in the garage. Um, However, her computer detects that he's not a capable suspect. Right, because... He's a quadriplegic. So, while this is happening, Greg goes to the old bones in his chair. He gets a drink, and he has the guy next to him help him drink it, which I thought that scene was great, because he's trying to sell, I'm a quadriplegic. Well, yeah, absolutely. And when Stem explains to him, like, eh, alcohol is not really, like, a good idea here, um, I was kind of like, why didn't he just ask for a water anyway? Yeah, that's interesting. Or why didn't, like, Stem kind of tell him about it first, and then he asked about a water? I don't know. Well, well, Stem actually says to him, too, I don't understand why humans would deliberately malfunction. Oh, I didn't catch that. And I thought that was an interesting concept. Hmm. But that's when Gray basically explains, like, yeah, because your memory... He says, because your memories are ones and zeros. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Which I was like, well, that's kind of a deep... But... But it's a concept that I think everybody's thought about at least a little bit. Like, why do we separate ourselves from an artificial intelligence? Because we th- we value our experiences more so than the idea of a one and a zero is an experience. Or oh, thought. absolutely. And that's what he's basically explaining. And, and that does come up a couple times in the movie. And it's interesting because the movie does kind of allude to humanity being superior in a couple of ways. Mm-hmm. But they don't. I mean, I'm not gonna give. We're not gonna give it away yet. Yeah. But it does allude to it. Um, yeah. So then Gray talks some shit and tries to get uh, whoever was involved with his wife's murder to come uh, talk to him, and and a guy basically does stand up and say that I, it, he was involved and ends up pushing him. That was into kind the of a weird scene. I was kind of. It was weird. I was kind of mad about how he goes about it. Me too. Grabbing everyone's attention and then being so blunt. Yeah. But I like where it led, so yeah. it's whatever. It works. It's it's kind of forgivable. Well, in the scene that it does, it was just kind into, of like uh, it was kind of cringy. I think he uh, he he gets pulled into a bathroom in the back room, and this is the bathroom scene that I was talking about with the blue light. Yeah, because you get a lot of blue and pink, and yep. it definitely splits down his face pretty evenly, and it's yep. actually really beautiful the way it looks in the like. The cinematography of this movie is outstanding. Oh, like, absolutely. I, I was in love with it from the start, honestly. And they, they use the blue uh, in a scene where a person is very heavily injured. Yeah. Where the blue light's overlaying the injury on... It's his face. Yeah. And they I like that they did that. 
because you can see that there's something wrong. You can see the cuts, but you almost can't make out what's wrong. Yeah. Because you can't see, the, like, blood or the red or where the discoloration really is. It, yeah, it was really hard to tell, Yeah, honestly. But we do see that he has, like, He's circuits like, hanging out of his neck and shit. Yeah. So it's like, oh, man. He got fucked up. So, yeah, what happens, basically, these guys bring uh, Gray into the bathroom to punish him, and they don't think he's a quadriplegic, so they're kind of fucking with him. And this is where uh, Stem is able to turn off his senses mm-hmm. so that he can't feel it. And then Stem takes over and just beats the fuck out of all these guys. Kills all of them. Well, so I thought I thought he was trying to get proof of this guy saying it, because he's like, all I need you to do is say it. And so I thought he was trying to get proof for the detective. Sure. Because before it was, you have no proof. Right. And he talks about working with them, and so I thought he was going to do something with that. But instead... Nope, he just wanted to know that he was ready to kill that guy. Yeah. And the guy says that he was involved. Yeah, Talon. And uh, they don't actually kill him. They... (laughs) Basically, Grey lets them torture the shit out of him so that they can get the name of the other people involved. And Yeah, Aaron sees that that Gray is at the bar and he's like, well, what the fuck? I just told you not to do this and starts to shut uh, Stem down. This is huge because Stem's like, you need to get to this hacker at this location and your chair's not going fast enough. Yeah, he's like, you need to ditch the chair. And, and so he, he locks it and runs off. We get one of my favorite like kind of jokes in the movie where a guy sitting in a wheelchair goes, faker, and then stands up and then gets into his wheelchair. Oh, okay. See, I didn't realize he was in a wheelchair. I thought he was just the doorman. And like, okay. (laughs) That scene made me laugh. Um, But (laughs) Stem does begin to shut down as as Gray's pushing to this Mm. building and up these stairs eventually. And the physical acting in this just keeps going. He kills it. But this is where we meet Fisk. Right. Because uh, Fisk goes to the bar. Yeah, and he has a word with the... The barkeep? Yeah, like the owner. Yeah, yeah. Owner Which, of the bar. I like this guy. The owner was, like, so funny of a character oh, to he, me. Yeah, because, like, when they take him to the back, and it's actually Talon screaming from the torture, but he's thinking it's the other way around. He's like, my mama told me not to pick on disabled people. Right. And, like... <laughs> I liked this character. He was fun. He, he was uh, a pretty genuine guy and really just wanted to, like, keep the peace for the most part. Which, uh, yeah, so Fisk goes into the bathroom and he puts his finger onto uh, Talon's eye. Yeah, it's like a needle comes out. And goes and, into the iris. And then it, like, goes into the iris and then you get this cool bloop. He gets to see the memory, like, of what he saw before right. he died. In his own eyes, too. Yeah. That's insane. So he's, like, he's seeing that from Talon's perspective, too. Yeah, absolutely. Which, to me, I'm going to throw it back to a movie we both love. Very wild, wild west. Yeah. Yeah. I love that concept of someone's last memory being burned onto the iris. Yeah. Because they that's how they get the, through Bloodbath McGrath's west. eye. They the shine west. the light wild, and wild see west. the... Yeah, Gary... Gary Gray, what the <laughs> fuck? Gray drops to the floor at Jamie's door. Yeah, and and uh, stems off. He's got he's got cash though. He does. He's able to hold up his arm so that she can take the money. Right, and um, then that's like that's it though. He's like pretty much drained out. Yeah, and uh, something that has been happening all the while. Uh, Stem has been giving uh, Gray information to write on a, on his arm so that this hacker knows what to do. Yeah, because it was his computer coding and stuff like that, which was, this was interesting that STEM would do that. Um, and when he was like, 
he's like, I, I can't write it down fast enough. Oh, I wonder if this was because of the shutdown thing. But I was like, why didn't Stim just take over and write it for him? Yeah, I think it was because he was shutting down. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Well, basically what happens, though, is he has his input, what is it, input blockers removed? Yeah, something like that. Fisk breathes death into the bartender. Yeah, he does. In in one of the more With interesting... With a fake sneeze. One of the more interesting kills I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, he lets out this little... This is Okay, this is what I like about the Fisk character. He's not intimidating. And he's kind of a small guy. He reminds me a mix of um, Charlotte Copley and uh, Matthew McConaughey, more specifically from Reign of Fire. Okay, okay, I could see that. But I kept getting Charlotte Copley vibes from him. I love Charlotte uh, Especially Copley from, too. like, Elysium. Yes, yes, he's a yeah. badass. He's Kruger in that. Yeah, movie. that movie is Great sick. Movie. Maybe we should do that one. We probably will, I would imagine. Fucking That's Matt Damon. Well, so yeah, he lets out this cheesy little sneeze, and we see uh, <laughs> these, like... Nanobots flying with through like the air. sickles, yeah, like, on these tentacles, kind of, and they go into the barkeep's mouth and in his nose or into his nose because he does like a sniff and then starts to kind of collapse. And Fisk alludes to the fact that they're just tearing his ba- his brain apart. Yeah, he says they're chewing, uh, chewing for the machines apart, yeah. chew your mind apart. Dude, that's fucking crazy. Like, what a concept. Later on, you're gonna be like, well, why doesn't he just do that? Well, he does try to. Yeah, which was really cool. Yes. I didn't understand what Stem was trying to tell Gray at that moment, but it was cool that it was kind of like, oh, you need to knock him out really quick because yeah. he's about to end this. Totally. Cause it- which I'm surprised he doesn't kind of do that more. Does he have to like kind of charge it up or something? Well, I would imagine it's... It's a choice. I don't know. I mean, he could it, just be, like, firing spit bullets on him and, like... During that scene, though, it almost seems like he's fucking with Gray. Because he kind of alludes to the fact that he thinks that he's stronger than Gray the whole time. Well, yeah, and he he, he even explains so. Yeah. Like, I could kill you right now. We get a small interaction between Gray and uh, Jamie. We meet Jamie, who's our we get that non-binary line. character. And um, I kind of like that scene, because mm-hmm. it almost um, it almost plays to everybody. Yeah. Where some people think that, some like, uh, I, I hear a lot of the time that the stereotype for people that are non-binary is that they're very in your face about it. And I don't think I've ever experienced that, but whatever. But... I see it more online exactly. versus in real life. But then, on the other hand, Gray's response is, I wasn't going to ask. I don't care. Yeah. And so Which, it's kind of like, okay, cool. Like, they both have the right to defend themselves in that way, and they both did it in a very tasteful way, and I thought yeah. that was cool. Yeah, and, and Jamie removes the input guards, is what they are. The, the input guards on STEM, just in time, because they bail on him, and Fisk shows up. And something that... I kind of thought was interesting that's happening in the background is we see a ton of people just playing VR. Yeah. And he says, how long do they VR for? And yeah. And, and she replies with yeah, days, Jamie says weeks. days, weeks. He says, do they sleep? And Jamie says, no. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, that's like a scary idea. Well, and he's like, why would you want to be stuck in a fake world? And she says, well, because it's, it's less easy. painful. Yeah. Less painful. Yeah. Um, and this, right after this is actually where we see the loading the bullets into the bicep, which is hilarious. Yeah. I love that. Uh, Fish shows up to Jamie's house and Gray's trapped because Stem still hasn't rebooted. Uh, and then because Fisk is kind of just talking to him, Gray does reboot. And this is where he jumps up and does the flips and gets away. Yeah. And like runs away from them. Yeah. Stem breaks the man's gun arm eventually that was loading it up because they, they chase him up to the roof. 
Dude, he does this quick ass fucking snap where he also like cocks it and then like forces it to fire on his own face. And this is the assisted suicide scene. And the head is obliterated. Gone. Completely gone. Out of this world. <laughs> it is one of the two best head explosions I've ever seen. <laughs> I would agree. It was really cool. The other one is Maniac. And if you haven't seen Maniac, Joe Spinell's Maniac. Go watch that. <laughs> And that was the other thing, too, is, like, this was a really gory scene, but, like, it was so quick that, like, it really wasn't bad. You're right. Be- but there is a lot of blood, but you're right. It's a very quick cut. And it's, they well, show and it's you almost it, like watching, like, an anime or something, too. Totally. Like, it's when it's tastefully done. Over-the-top damage, where the head completely disappears, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I totally get that. Well, um, you gotta understand, it probably was, like, I mean, this guy was upgraded. It was probably a, a big pretty ass powerful bullet. blast. Sure, I get it. I mean, the bullets were... Um, they were pretty good size. They didn't really look like they should be shotgun shells, though. I didn't think so either. They looked a little smaller than that. But who's if this say? is the future... Exactly. Yeah. Who's to say we couldn't have smaller ammunition with bigger firepower? Or damage, uh, I guess. Damage power. Oh, something I forgot to say that I thought was interesting is while um, Fisk is showing up, Greg hallucinates that Asha's there. Oh, I must have missed that then. They kind of allude to this thing where... I feel like this movie was supposed to be, like, this ambiguous mindfuck that leaves you with, like, oh, well, it's your interpretation. Although it does seem like it's very... They definitely stamp what the ending actually is. Oh, absolutely. But they they allude to it being kind of a mindfuck. Like, with that. Yeah. And then with the previous one where he's in bed at home and, like, wakes up from the dream. It's coming up. I actually have it in my notes. It's coming up. Oh, that's next. It's coming up. He because he goes home. Oh, you're right. Okay. Because he goes home and his mom's there, and that's where she finds out that he can walk because she's just there that's when he right. gets up. And, yep. and, yeah. Okay. So uh, he has a dream, and she says, "I printed a pizza," and that's when he wakes up because that's a reference to the beginning when she says, "Should we print a pizza?" Right. And detective visits again now, believing Gray's involved like a hundred percent. This is where she bugs him. Mm-hmm. Um, and Stem and Gray get into in kind more of than a fight. one way. Yeah. Stem and Gray get into kind of a fight after she leaves, and Stem blocks Gray's inputs. Yeah, and and reminds him, like, I'm the one that's making your body work. You're still just a quadriplegic dude. Totally, and also reminds him that you removed all input blockers. Yeah. Not just the ones from Aaron. Right. Which is scary as fuck. Yep. I mean, it's... it's your bo- I mean, It reminds me a lot of um, Johnny Got His Gun, or, like, even just one, the song One by Metallica. Which is about Johnny Got His Gun, but about being trapped in your mind and you're like, I can't handle this. Yeah. Uh, Another kind of strange uh, reference from my viewpoint, Spider-Man 2 with Dr. Octavius. Yes. Because he has something very similar. He has this chip that ultimately gives him the control of his robotic arms because they do have an AI program. However, when that chip gets fried, he no longer has control and they do as they please. And in fact, actually convince him to like do crime in order to continue his work that's that's actually a really awesome illusion and i wouldn't have made it myself but he actually talks to it too and you don't hear it responding because it's in his fucking head well and but you they make they, the, they yes. make him go like yeah! Yeah. <laughs> and it's like why but, <laughs> but he understands like there is a communication between which him and the arm i'm totally cool with that i don't need to hear an ai voice for doc Ock. Like, right it, that was also years ago so but I, I like that it's and it's Alfred Molina, yes. So and I yeah. love Alfred He's Molina. Awesome. Um, he was a good Doc Ock, honestly. So Stem tells Gray that he has to kill Fisk and that he has no choice. Gray stands up and arms himself, 
and we see here really that Gray is doesn't have any more control over himself. Yeah. It's them because he walks right past his mom and leaves. Yeah. Well, and, and he's she's like, "Don't go," and he's like, "I, I, I have no or, choice." She, yeah, yeah. He says, yeah. "I have no choice." And uh, the detective, the detective sees him leaving and basically realizes, like, "Oh yeah, I was right." And uh, she chases him on the freeway, and this is where Stem actually releases control to Gray. Yeah, because again, he, he's a better driver. Yeah, <laughs> he knows Which how is to really drive. Interesting. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how Stem is like, okay, you have to take control. Very cool. Which there was one thing that really bugged me that I was kind of hoping to see. Although we ultimately get a way more intense scene, which I was not expecting. But I was kind of hoping when she is, because she's like two lanes over. And she's trying to keep up with him and he's pushing it. And I thought, because every every so and every few feet or whatever, they're passing cars in between. I thought at the right moment he was just going to hit the brakes and like fly back so she goes flying and maybe like maneuver around a car or something oh and i was like that would have been really cool i was kind of expecting something like that too but yeah what we do get is pretty interesting stem takes control of an electronic car that's not too far ahead of them and it's the same kind of car that asha was driving yeah or owns or whatever and stem drives it full speed in reverse on the freeway into the detective's car yeah it was pretty insane because i thought i honestly thought this was gonna be her death scene dude she should have died yeah i mean this is a future movie or whatever who knows maybe but like my god this car was going so fucking fast backwards yeah while she was going that fast forward yeah into each other yeah she gets out of this car like fine yeah she's like she's probably a little banged up but like there's no way you're walking away from this like that. I mean, maybe. Think about the adrenaline on. pumping through you, though, too. You, maybe. you could. I'm going to say maybe, but I'm as long as so there's not, not likely. As long as there's not serious injuries to where she literally cannot walk or, or whatever. Like, with, no, whether it be being, a concussion or, like, a leg injury or something. With that being said, and with you bringing that up specifically, I will say she does turn her car at the last minute so that the car backs into the right the passenger side of her car. Mm-hmm. It doesn't directly hit her. Yeah. So, sure. She ends up going back to his house and straight up mm. questions the mom. That's what it is, because she asks what's going on. And the mom is the one that sells, basically sells out all the information. Yeah. Um, because then he's going straight to Aaron. Yep. And Gray surprises Fisk in the dark before that. And actually, this is where we get... Oh. Yeah. It's after that, because he doesn't find out until he meets, meets up with Fisk. Right. That's right. So he he surprises Fisk in the dark. This is where we get their confrontation that we've kind of alluded to a couple of times. Um, And we actually find out a little bit more about Fisk, that he was a soldier who was wounded in some sort of army. They don't really say what, but he was upgraded. Yeah, Yeah. Cobalt helped him out, but he wasn't hired by Cobalt to do this um, because we find out that um, this was a job. Right. Which it, it seemed kind of obvious in the beginning. Like, you know, it's a bunch of random guys. Car flips and gets in an accident. Well, wife is killed. He, he says specifically that Gray was the job. Yeah, not her. And the job was to separate, the, what was it, the spinal column? Yeah. Because he used a medical tool on him, not right. a gun. Right. Um, and then uh, killing so Asha was just the bonus cash because of her correlation with cobalt right which this is why the whole time i thought aaron was the one who put the hit on them gotcha and and then i was kind of like oh because 
he's probably trying to weed out the cobalt people because she's like, we're close. And he's like, no, you're not. And so, like, I thought it was like, I'm going to make sure you're not. Gotcha. You know? And they do kind of give you that. They do allude to that, yeah. the competition, yeah. Um, Now, because of this, because he says this, uh, meanwhile, all this is happening, uh, uh, Gray has a gun to Fisk's head. Mm -hmm. But Fisk gets into Gray's head, like, by saying this to him. And he and Gray tries to shoot him point blank, and Fisk fucking dodges the bullet point blank. Yeah, dude, I was like, whoa! And he says, "You got emotional. You don't. You can't do that." Yeah, he's like, "Don't do that." Yeah, which I I was like, whoa, this is like kind of sketch. But it goes to show you that like at some point you lose your humanity to all of this, which is basically what happened to Fisk. I or thought at least it was Fisk m- thinks so. I thought it was more of his soldier mentality t- saying Definitely that. a big part of it. But I think that, I mean, and he says, like, he keeps talking to, uh, about Gray as, like, this underling because he's not fully upgraded. Well, and he calls, he calls himself, he's like, now you're one of my people. I brought you into my race. Right. Which is a weird thing. That's he's like, totally we are the weird. upgraded. He's which a, I thought that was so cool. He's, like, technically Because uh, it's not like a cyborg. A, yeah, and it's not... It's not like a skin color thing or anything like that. Yeah. It's just that, like, our race, we are cyborgs. Right. Exactly. Very interesting concept. Yeah. But Gray ultimately gets Fisk's, uh, gets to his emotions and by bringing up his brother and talking <laughs> about how he made him cry when he killed him, which is not true, but he fucks with him. Civic? Or... It was something like that. Yeah. Um, and he fucking impales uh, Fisk's head on some broken glass. Oh, yeah. That was crazy. Very brutal scene. Um, but so I, I kind of thought that Fisk also had STEM because of his movements, but I'm guessing it's just the cobalt upgrades. I think it was just the cobalt upgrades. Right. Now, something happens here that I think we need to talk about. Because okay. it could be very important, especially with what happens after this. He picks up an earpiece out of Fisk's ear and listens to it, to a message. A message where Aaron is warning him to go kill. To kill him, otherwise he's going to kill them both. Right. Do you think that was actually a message, or do you think that that was just stem? Just stem, trying to get rid of Aaron. Both. I th- I think it was a real message. That's what I mean. Is it could be either. But that's why I'm saying like I think stem orchestrated everything on purpose. But ever and that's what I mean is because it so had meticulous. to in order to convince everyone that they were doing what they needed to be doing in order to get what it wanted. And and so we're going to get into that. I mean, next, Gray shows up to Aaron's house, kills both the security guards without ever looking at them. This is so great because you hear him coming down the steps and you see these dudes ready to, like, shoot a guy as soon as he comes in. And the in. camera's over both of their shoulders, right between them. Right. And then, flawlessly, he just, like, swings his arm over and, like, I guess pop, taps. Pop, pop, pop. Yeah, and they're out. Yep. It takes them both down. Fucking headshots. 360 no-scope. Aaron basically explains that... He's no. He was never in control, and that Stem actually has owned the company for a long time. Yeah, he's like I, I have to. I listen to someone else now. Yeah. Which then I was like, oh, okay, so so, but somebody else is on on top of this, and then he's like, it's Stem. Yeah. I put Stem into myself, and then Stem kind of took over, and I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah, and uh, Stem, ultimately, I mean. Through a couple of different actions, I mean, Stem ultimately breaks Gray, yeah, and and takes over and kills everybody involved, yeah, um, kills Aaron and then the police detective, detective shows up, but to no avail. And well, she was already there. 
Right, right, right. Uh, and, and she does end up tasing him, which it buys them a minute uh, where where Stem is sort of rebooting. Yeah. Um, but it, it doesn't, it's not to any avail at all. Yeah. And, and, and during this break, basically, um, Gray is trying to fight Stem from shooting the detective and puts the gun to his head. And we hear a pop as though the gun's going off and Gray wakes up. And he's in a hospital bed. Yeah. And Asha's there. Yeah. And we think for a second, oh, it, it's okay. Yeah, because she's like... it's a dream thing, but it's okay. She's like, you know, you've you've been out for a couple of days. We got yeah. in an accident. And then that's not the case. We see that Stem is in full control of Gray's body, and <laughs> he kills the detective and leaves. And he says Gray's in a better place now. Right, he's in his head. Kind of interesting, because that's what people say when you die. And if yeah, you think about it, it's kind of like his heaven. Is in his brain, right. He's like in his well, own mental Essentially, heaven. he died. I mean, he, it's now stem controlling him. But his body's just a vessel. Right, but that's what I mean, is he's still, he still is a brain that is firing off electrons. He's just not in control of but it. But there's no outside... It's sensory. like there's it's a completely sens- sensory depraved brain. Yeah, it's like he's a vegetable, but because something is also controlling his body, he's not. Yeah. It's interesting. So this is exactly why I was like this movie was kind of a mind fuck because when we were seeing those things about that since they uh, you know like there's the the one where you said she's standing there and has like a piece of paper or something. It looks and like she's then, reading a book or something. Yeah. Oh, right. Reading a book. And then he wakes up or something and has like that dream of her being next to him eating pizza after his mom uh, said something about pizza. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, oh, is he like actually like, yeah, he's actually like in a, just like a coma and it's like this never happened. Totally. So like, why did he see those things before? Was it STEM? But Why? I mean, I don't think it was Stem. I mean, but it could have been. But I do. Because Stem ultimately projected that in his head, and that's how it shut him down. In order, because, And that's why okay. I was like, this whole movie, like, at a certain point, it starts to feel like a mindfuck. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. But they definitely give you the, the definite ending because Stem just walks off uh, in Gray's body and even starts talking through him, too, with well, Gray's the way, voice. There is... Because he explains is, it to the detective before he shoots her and leaves. There's more to this ending, though, than they even explain. Mm-hmm. And there's something there's that's alluded to, but that is never shown that's even more tragic. Who else knows? Gray's mom. Yeah. So she's next. <laughs> that's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, she's the only person that knows, and Stem knows that. Yeah, that's true. And so I was like, oh, that sucks. Like, that sucks that you have to know that that's what's next for this. Yeah. You know? But, I mean, you don't see it. And... Um, as far as the hallucinations, I think that it was Stem playing against uh, Gray's emotions. The same mm-hmm. way that Fisk tried to, and ultimately the same way that Gray was able to kill Fisk playing against his emotions. I guess it was, like, preparing him for that moment. Totally. Sort or of. almost sort of um, grooming him. Right. I ew, that makes it dirty, like feel dirty, but I think it should because this movie like the the parasitic feeling that Grey is having in this movie is dirty. Yeah. And I think it's gross, the idea of being completely out of control of yourself. So yeah. I think grooming is a good word for it. 
That's that on that with this movie, guys. I think that I think let's score this one. I think that I think that it's hard to really talk more about this. All I really wanted to say was philosophically speaking, the idea of watching somebody lose complete control over their body but still being aware of what's happening mm-hmm. is horrifying. Yeah. And um I mean we've seen this before. We see this movie with we see this with parasite movies. This is not a very new idea, but it's played in a very fresh way. <clears throat> yeah. And and I that's why I ultimately wanted to show you this movie. Oh, for sure. Because the, and the, and that's something too is this month or this next 3 months um I'm picking newer movies. Yeah, specifically. Sean, Sean's got a whole thing going on for for the season, which, uh, by the way, welcome to episode two of season four. Yes, um, season four. If you've been, you know, if you're still listening, thank you. If you're new, thanks for checking us out. Um, We're in the 40s. We have yeah. more than 40 episodes. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so what are we rating this one out of? I think this week we should rate it out of handguns. <laughs> I uh yeah, handguns. Yeah. Yeah. How many okay. handguns are you giving this one? Uh four point five. That's really funny because me too. Okay. That's and I'm gonna say I scored this movie on Letterboxd. On okay. my Letterboxd at Shunching Four L follow me over there. Four point five when I watched it the first time. And yeah. I decided after watching it today and I went back to look to see if my my mind had changed and it hadn't changed at all. Okay. I think this movie is damn near perfect. Me too. The cinematography was 10 out of 10. The score, which we didn't even talk about, so good. This movie had such like a a Blade Runner vibe too that I absolutely loved. I, I love – I really love these like these futuristic movies where like the technology isn't always like too far off from where we could be in what just 10 years. What do they call it? Like the 10, 10 minutes in the future or whatever they call it? It's like mm-hmm. a name for it. It's something like that. But totally where it feels like just in reach – yeah, it's and just it's like right ahead. Of it's us. kind of like, man, I can't wait till it's like that. Mm-hmm. And it just it feels so cool. Um, but yeah, like there was so much of this movie that was so good. The only thing that really kind of pegged it down for me was some of the acting from Logan. Uh, Logan Marshall Green. Just with yeah, just with like I said, it it was just kind of some of the small stuff where he's supposed to be playing it cool. Although I think maybe that goes to show that he really had this character nailed down because this guy wasn't. This guy was all of it, his life is all uh, like out of nowhere changed, and he now kind of has to hide, kind of how he feels about some things, and because like he's obviously feeling different than he did when all he knew was that he was stuck in a chair. Yeah, sure. So I I can definitely get that. I was just kind of like, I felt like it would have been a little more impactful if he was colder when he would be kind of talking to the detective. I, I wanted him to guilt her really bad into like figuring this out. No, for sure. I, I agree with you. And Which she actually really pissed me off because <laughs> she gets obsessed with him, but it's ultimately his fault. Well, it Stem's is kind of interesting. I don't think I, I really, fault. I don't think I ever really noticed it so much how quickly she does shift her attention straight to him. But it's you are right. Because yeah. As soon as she sees him on that drone, she's like, "This guy's a suspect." Even though she does say like, though that like. Just because you can't do it doesn't mean you couldn't pay someone. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's hard. It's it's kind of weird because I do see where she's coming from, but I agree with you. She should have still been looking heavily into investigating the, this murder. I would have been so pissed with her if I was him. 
Oh, yeah. I've been like, you're not doing your fucking job. You can get the fuck out of my face. Absolutely. Mm. It's a good movie. I absolutely recommend it. I still recommend you go read 1985 this week. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not a big book. You can finish it in the week. It's yeah. not a big book. And, and this isn't really like one of those movies where it's like, oh, go watch this instead. But um, also, don't forget how great RoboCop is. God, we got to watch that again We should do RoboCop. Soon. Yes. Maybe. Watch Peter Weller get blasted for two minutes. <laughs> we did a movie where he gets blown up like on the spot in a good way. Now we'll do a movie where he gets blown up on the spot in a bad way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, go ahead and follow us on the Instagram and the Twitter at WAWWTPod. Uh, at this point, on one of those, I'm sure you can find a link to our Redbubble account where we have some stuff Ooh. available. We have merch. Some merchandise. We might even have a pillow up. You should go uh, look. Ooh, do you want a pillow with our faces on it? I do. <laughs> Me too. Kinda. Uh, anyways. Um, make sure to check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and CastBox. And leave a review because that helps us out tremendously. Um, let us know how we're doing. Um, whether it's good or bad. We love good news, but we, I mean, really, just any kind of feedback, really. Yeah. So. I mean, come on, guys. We're recording two episodes a day at this point. Yeah. Let us know what you want. Yeah, exactly. Peace, bitches. Why are we watching this?